Good morning. How y'all doing? Fantastic. You guys are like singing. You went for it this morning. And I just want to say, way to go. You guys were awesome. Just give yourselves a hand. You guys are awesome this morning. Man, I love hearing you guys sing. So I want to welcome a couple of groups of people. I want to welcome, if this is your, if this is your first time with us, uh, you're our honored guest. And I hope you really enjoy today's service. Uh, and uh, so let's give it up for our first-time guests if we can. Also, I want to give it up to our VIPs, our volunteers, are very, very important here at One Church. And we have a lot of you guys, you serve 9 o'clock, you come in here 11 o'clock, or maybe you, they, they serve 11 o'clock, they're in at 9 o'clock. And I just want to say thank you guys so much for serving, because you do what you do. Lives are changed every week. So anyway, all right, we are in the middle of a series entitled Stalking Jesus. And uh, if this is your first Sunday with us, it's a little creeper. Uh, it's a little stranger danger, I know. Let me explain what's going on. Because last week, we talked about stalking is the fact that when you stalk someone, you observe somebody from afar, you don't inter- really interact with them, you don't really talk with them, you observe them from afar. And uh, we talked last week that many of us, we stalk Jesus. We learn facts about Jesus, we memorize verses about Jesus, but we really don't interact or we talk with Jesus. So this entire month, we're looking at prayer and how we can interact uh, with our Heavenly Father. We talked last week that really prayer is the difference between stalking Jesus and walking with Jesus. And we looked at this really awesome prayer last week we called the Lord's Prayer because the Lord prayed it. Welcome to One Church, all right? Today, um, I, and I really like this, we're going to be talking about some of you guys' frustrations when it comes to prayer. Because over the past two or three weeks, I've been getting text messages, emails, you guys have showed me on version, just some of the struggles that you've had with praying. And here's one of the things that I realized between you and me, because I'm in this boat with you guys. The problem with a lot of us is that prayer seems to produce as many problems as it does promises. And here's some of the things that you guys shared with me that you struggle with praying over the past three weeks. You said this, that many of you, when you pray, you tend to fall asleep. Tend to fall, anybody want to admit to that? I've been there. All right, very good. We tend to fall asleep. In fact, one person wrote this, not being raised in a church family, which is a story, I think, of, of many of us, I stink at praying. And I have all the best intentions, but I always fall asleep when I pray. I should probably stop praying at bedtime. Ding, ding, ding. Um, But I always go through the same motions and the same routine. I I get bored praying, and so I tend to fall asleep. Let me just tell you, if you have a tendency to fall asleep, this is a preacher's trick. Next time you're at, uh, you're at the business office, maybe you're there, you're listening to somebody talk, uh, you're in the cubicle, you're in the boardroom, and you fall asleep. Or, guys, your woman is talking to you. And you have fallen asleep. Let me show you a trick. What you do is when you wake up, you go, Amen. I'm telling you, they're going to think you're so spiritual, right? That you're, 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 your wife's going to start crying. Oh, my gosh, he's become so, he's, he's the spiritual leader of my home. No, he's not getting enough sleep. So anyway, um, just, that's, a, that's a preacher's trick. Let me tell you, one, another one of you guys, you actually texted this in. Uh, staying focused when I pray. Some of you are, and, and we're ADD when it comes to our prayer, uh, prayer life. I mean, we start praying about this, and then five minutes later, we went from this, and it made us think of this, and it made us think of this, and for some reason, we're now we're thinking of the Cracker Barrel, and I'm hungry, right? So right now, some of you are thinking of the Cracker Barrel, and how many of y'all are hungry? 
All right, very good. All right, cool. Some of you, uh, the, the third thing that you struggle with when it comes to frustration with prayer is repetition. And we talked a lot about this last week that many of us, we just say the same things over and over and over and over and over again. In fact, that's what, it's amazing, we looked at this last week with the Lord's Prayer. Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, and he said right, the verse right before it, don't repeat these words. Don't babble on, don't say the same thing over and over again. And what do we do with the Lord's Prayer? We say it over and over and over again, right? It's, it's, it's so nuts. So we repeat, and we just keep on repeating the same phrases. Uh, the, our, our last frustration that you guys have shared with, frustration when you prayed for doesn't come when you ask or how you asked it. God, here's what I need you to do, and here's the right answer that I need, and it doesn't happen that way. And we talked, again, a lot about this last week. That so many of us, we pray, our kingdom come, our will be done, and that's not how we should pray. Many of us, our goal of our prayers is to bend God's will towards our will. And it shouldn't be that way. That really prayer is us bending ourselves towards God because it's thy will be done. It's thy kingdom come. Now, if any of those four things that you maybe texted in, emailed in, wrote in, if you struggle with, here are like four things that we do to kind of try to fix our frustration with prayers. The first one, it may be something like this. You try to figure out how you can do it better. You try to figure out, okay, I need a better instructions. I need better teaching. Some of you, okay, I'm going to go to this different book or I'm going to go to this different church and if I can figure out and get better teaching and better instructions, then I'm going to pray better. Now, here's the problem with that because how many of y'all, you're a dad and you got, that, you got the toy for your child and you open it up and it has those three dreaded words, some assembly required. Anyone? Dear Jesus. You know what that means translated? You're not going to be doing anything else but this over the next three days. Right? You see, instruction just doesn't do it. All right? That, that's not a fix. Some of us, we think our fix is, you know, we're just too lazy when we pray. And if we got in the right position, right? If, if we knelt down or it, maybe we laid face down or maybe we got in the lotus position and we became a human pretzel, right? Then God would finally realize that we were so devoted to him that he would give us the right answer. Right? And if you think you're waiting for me to get in the lotus position today, it ain't going to happen. All right, all right. Next, some of us we think this that maybe, and this happens a lot on Facebook. If I get so many people praying for this, if I get one point four, you know, thousand people praying for this, that God is going to have to give me the right answer. And, and we share prayer requests, and, and, and again, nothing wrong with that on Facebook, but we think if we can do that, that we'll somehow bend God towards our will, and we'll get the right answer. The last one is this. Some of you, you recruit the influence of pastors because you think that if I can just get Pastor Chris to pray for me, he's got the special connection between him and God, and everything's going to be all right. Well, let me bust your bubble because I got no special connection to, towards God any more than you do. And let me just say this. As a pastor, sometimes I am very frustrated because what I think God should be doing and the right answer in my prayers, he doesn't do, all right? So I, I didn't share this first service, but I'm going to share this now. Um, y'all, some of you guys, you've heard us talk about, you know, we're looking for buildings and land right now. And I've been praying, and God's, you guys have been really good, and you've been saying, hey, have you looked at this, this? And we've been praying, and, and man, there's this sweet deal that fell into our laps this past week. Somebody says, hey, I think this person is willing to sell this land for really low, and I'm like, oh, you know, awesome, right? So we go, and then I found out 
It didn't work out. And I want to just kick something. And I want to go, God, what are you thinking? Because, I, you know, I'm just like you. I feel like, God, there's the right answer. And sometimes you don't do give me the right answer. And, again, that, maybe I'm just the only one who feels that way in here. I don't know. But sometimes it can just be so frustrating. God, what are you thinking? Well, today, we're going to be looking at a verse that we started looking at last week. And if you have any of those feelings, any of those frustrations, you're in the right place. Because I am there as well. Turn to your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 11. We give away Bibles for free here at One Church. If you don't have one, you can get one at guest services. Or, how many of y'all have a phone? All right, good. If you'll pull out your phones, you can download version. And you can click on the live event, and you can just follow along with us on our notes. And there's some really cool things about polls and interacting you can do in there. This is what Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and we're only going to be in these verses today. So hang out with me. Once Jesus was praying in a certain place. It's amazing that Jesus is praying. He is the Son of God, and he is talking to his Heavenly Father. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, You know what you were doing just then? Will you teach us how to do that? Teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. What they're asking is, okay, where's the instruction sheet? Where's the manual? You know, what is the, do we kneel? Do we, you know, are we prostate? I mean, what what do we do? I mean, what do we say? How do we do this? Show us how, because I don't think we're doing it right. And what follows is the Lord's Prayer. And again, we looked at this very in-depth last week, so we're not really even going to go there this week, but I'm going to read it to you. And if you've got some questions about that, again, you can look at the podcast last week or you can watch it for free. It says this. Jesus said, this is, what's that next word? How you should pray. Notice he didn't say this is what you should pray because prayer is not a formula. It's not, prayer's not a button to push, and if you push it so many times and repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, then you're finally going to get what you want out of the God vending machine. It's not that way. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Next verse. Give us each day the food we need, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, and don't let us yield to temptation. Again, we looked at this last week, the DSA, remember that? Don't start asking, right? You don't want to start asking. So, this is what Jesus prays, the, the Lord's Prayer, and then that's usually, at, the, at this verse, this is where you and I stop. We'll recite it, we'll stop, and we're like, okay, that's what Jesus has to say about prayer. But let me tell you, That's not where it ends, because Jesus, there's as much information about prayer, what follows of what Jesus is getting ready to say, than that's even in the Lord's Prayer. So let's don't stop there, let's keep on reading, and let's look at this in context, because Jesus goes on and he says this, then, teaching them, what's that next word? More about what? Prayer. He used this story. Now, if you grew up in church, some people call these parables. All that is is a story. It's just a fancy way of saying that. So Jesus tells this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. Now, you know what we call the people like this? Bad neighbors, right? I mean, dear Lord, I mean, at midnight, this is going to be 
one of those humorous things. And what you need to know about this situation, and especially the Hebrew culture during this time in which Jesus told the story, is hospitality was really, really, really important in this culture. It was, it was good, and it's good to be a good host in our culture, but in this culture, I mean, it was almost a requirement that if somebody came to your door asking for something, you were to go and you were to, as much as you can, help them out. That's how, one of the ways you could show love in that culture. So this is one of those uh, areas, I mean, and some of you know this today, you got somebody just shows up at your doorstep. And they just show up, and it's like the day before you went grocery shopping, right? And you're like, dear Lord, what am I supposed to offer them? I got water, right? Um, and then, you, okay, wait, I got those Lunchables I was going to make the kids, have them take for, you know, for, for school tomorrow. I'm going to open those up, put those on a tray. And you would rather you and your family go without and allow them to be able to eat something because you can always go to the store after they leave. You want them to have a good time. Some of you, you're nodding your head, so I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. So Jesus teaches us more, and he says this. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. Man, I totally know this. I mean, in the middle of the night. How many of y'all have, you ever just was in a dead sleep? Anybody? I mean, last, I think it was last week, um, my wife was out, and I, uh, I, I sleep with a fan, right? I, I, here's my bed, and the fan is right here. It's called a poor man's CPAP machine, right? So letting you know, I sleep with the fan on high, and my wife can't stand it when I sleep with the fan on high, all right? When she's there, I sleep with the fan on medium, but she was gone, so I turned it on high, right? I can't hear nothing, all right? That's the way I want it. And, and it's cold, so I got the covers up all around here, but I got the fan right here. I don't know. Don't, don't, don't hate the hater, right? Anyway, so I'm sitting there, and she gets home, and she says, turn down the fan, and I was in a dead sleep. I woke up flailing. I knock over the lamp, knock over the fan. It bends my glasses. I wake up in a puddle of drool on my pillow. And some of you going, that's nasty. Well, some of y'all, you ugly sleepers too. Let's tell the truth, Right? <laughs> I saw y'all at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm uh, just saying, all of us, see, some of you, you're pointing, and it ain't going to be good for you, all right? So, so imagine you're at, you're at a dead sleep, and someone starts knocking on the door, and you're like, oh, it's time to move, honey, all right? But look what happens, verse 7, and suppose he calls out from his bedroom, the one who just got woken up from that dead sleep, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. Again, all of us have been there. All of us have been there. I mean, with it being so cold lately, I, there's, I wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm like, i got to use the bathroom. I'm like, I don't want to get up. It's too cold. And you're just going to go, oh, all right? I, but you don't. You just don't because it would be inappropriate. All right? <laughs> and, you, and you're just like, I don't want to get out. Out of the bed, I don't want to get... And so, again, guys, if you have a two-year-old, if you've had a three-year-old, you know what I'm talking about because at four o'clock in the morning when they go, Wah! what do you do? You play possum, right? You go, I don't hear nothing, dear. And, and, and you wait for her to get up and deal with the baby, right? Anybody want to tell the truth? Shame the devil? All right, I see you. All right, cool. So, verse eight. Listen to what Jesus says. But I tell you this. I tell you this. Even though he won't do it for friendship's sake. 
That means maybe your neighbor's a bad person. Maybe Jesus is saying, let's pretend your, your neighbor isn't a good friend to you. He's not a good neighbor. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and he will give you whatever. Everybody say whatever. Whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Now, again, that's true, right? Someone calls you, and, and you, you see it on, on the caller ID, and you're like, I ain't talking to them, all right? And, and you hit decline. Next time, they, they, I mean, two seconds later, they're calling you. Uh-uh. After the sixth time, what you going to do? Who is it, right? I mean, you're like, what in the world? What is going on? All right? Look at what he says in verse 9. And so I tell you, keep on asking. And you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. This is such a popular verse. In fact, some of you, you have it on your refrigerator. It doesn't look like this. It looks like this. It, um, it, it, it says like this. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened. But this is a better translation because it's an ongoing present part of shelf. Participle. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Keep on asking. Just be persistent. Maybe I didn't hear that. Okay, I heard that. And you bang and you bang and you bang and you bang. Then Jesus says this in verse 10. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, here's the thing. If you're new to prayer, and this sounds like a really good prayer strategy. It's pretty cool, all right? I'm just going to keep on asking. I'm going to keep on seeking. I'm going to keep on knocking. I'm going to keep on pestering and bugging God. I'm not going to let him off the hook. Hey, God, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. I'm, not, I'm just going to keep on coming until you give me what I want. I have a teenager in the house who's, this is his strategy. Seriously. Dad, can I, dad, can I, dad, can I, dad, can I? And then I want to go purchase a gun, right? <laughs> Say it. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Here's the thing about that. We think this, you know, if we badger God enough, that he's just going to throw up his arms and give us what we want. And it sounds like a strategy, that if we push the right buttons hard enough and long enough, we will get what we want. But listen, prayer is not a button to be pushed. Prayer is a relationship to be pursued. And though it sounds like a strategy, for some of us who've been praying for a long time, that just makes us angry. Let's just be honest. Because some of you, you've been praying for a long time, and you feel like you've banged down the door and asked God, and you've sought after God, and you've knocked, and, and, and you've seeked, and, and you did all of this stuff, and God hasn't fix the problem in your life. And you cry, please, please, God. And you pray and you pray and you pray. Please, God, give me a good job. I'm not chasing after yachts. I'm trying to pay the electric bill. I'm banging down the door. I have everybody I know praying on Facebook for me. I am down on my knees or I'm standing up or I'm laying down. I prayed in the morning, I prayed at noon, I prayed at night, and I'm just banging away at God, and I'm asking you to answer me. And here's another thing about this verse. That if we're just honest, it kind of ticks us off a little bit because this verse says, you know what, that he's going to answer. 
For everyone who asks, what does it say? Receives. And some of us, you're frustrated. In fact, some of you, you're so frustrated that you have just given up praying. And you've really kind of given up on God. And you just want to quit. I've got to be honest with you, this happened to me about 10 years ago. There was a time in my life that was, there was a, something in my life that was broken that I couldn't fix. And I cried out to God, and my family was praying, and I contacted friends, and I asked them to pray. And for over a year, I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. I knelt down. I laid down on the ground. I, I mean, I did everything. I, I fasted and prayed. And what fasting is, is where you don't eat, and where the time you would normally eat, you would pray. And I just, I'm like, God, and I'm crying out to God, God, please fix this. Make this work. God, I need you. I'm trusting in you. I know, God, that you're good, and I know that, I, I know you can do this. And I trusted God. And you know what? God didn't fix it. God didn't come through. He didn't make it all right. I trusted God, but he didn't move. And he didn't give me the answer that I desperately prayed for. And i got to be honest with you, God broke my heart. I trusted in a good God, but he didn't come through, and my faith and my trust in him took a hit. And some of you, that is exactly where you're at right now. The reason why you stopped going to church is you prayed for God to heal, and he didn't. And they died. You prayed for God, let me get my child back. And the prodigal didn't return home. Brothers, you, God, you prayed, I want a baby. I want to be pregnant. And he didn't come through. He didn't answer. And it's just like, God, why? And you just want to stop. You want to give up. You want to quit. And in this verse, ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. And that's where we stop. And we get angry, and we get frustrated, and we say, I'm done with you, God. Here's the problem. We've stopped. And there's another verse. There are other verses that really does give us hope. That really does help us even when we ask and we don't receive. When we seek and we don't find. When we knock and the door seems locked. Look at what Jesus says in the next verse. Verse 11. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Let's, let's phrase it another way. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. Now let's kind of paraphrase this. Leave that up. My child has never asked for an egg. So let me paraphrase this. You fathers, if your children ask... For an action figure from Toys R Us, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask you for American Doll Company or something, a little pony. I, I don't have girls. I don't, I don't even, that's very foreign to me. I'm just going to stop right there. Um, do you give them a scorpion? The answer? Of course not. That's what it says. All you got to do is read it. I'll skate people, all right? Here's what Jesus is saying. We do the very best for our children. And you know what? I do the very best for my kids. I'm sure you do too. 
Why? Because you love your kids. I would do anything and everything for my kids. And you know what Jesus is saying in this story? He's saying, your, heaven, your heavenly father is just like that. What you are getting at, what are you getting at, Jesus? Well, this, this is just going to get confusing because we're asking for things, but you're not giving it to them. Well, think about this. Have you ever thought about the thing that you were asking for really isn't a good thing? You ever thought about the thing that you're asking for is just going to disappoint you? That's been me. That's been you. That's been me, and that's been you. John McEnroe, let me tell you a story. John McEnroe, one of the greatest tennis players who ever lived. How many of you ever watched John McEnroe? Anyone? All right, some of us, because I'm not a big tennis fan. But the thing, I was watching a lot of John McEnroe matches, and that dude could cuss like a sailor uh, at, you know, at the, not the umpire, what do you call him? Referee, thank you very much. As you can tell, I'm a big tennis pro. Anyway, that was my forehand. <laughs> Backhand. All right, anyway. So, anyway. John McEnroe, he wanted to be the, the number one tennis player in the world. And I don't think he's a Christian because probably the way he acts, but he may be. But if he was a praying person, I assume he would be praying, I want to be the number one tennis player in the world. That was his goal. And in the 1980 Wimbledon games, all right, uh, he was coming up against Bjorn Borg. And people who are into tennis say this was one of the greatest matches ever played. John McEnroe lost to Bjorn Borg. His lifetime ambition was to be number one, and it didn't happen. John McEnroe came back to Wimbledon the next year in 1981, and he won it all. And in a short time after that crushing defeat in 1980, he he became the number one ranked tennis player in the world. And I want to read to you from McEnroe's life, because something odd happened to him. This prize that he wanted for for so long, it didn't deliver. Some of you have experienced that. You've asked and you've knocked and you've asked and you knocked and you wanted it so bad and then you got it. And when you got it, it wasn't as good as what you thought. Listen to McEnroe's words. I was standing at the Portland airport waiting to buy a ticket for a flight to L.A. for a much-needed week of vacation. Suddenly, I thought, I am the greatest tennis player who has ever lived why am I so empty inside? If we were going to be honest with each other today, and I hope we, hope we can do that in church, that's our story, isn't it? You know what? If I could just get this much more money, I would be okay. And we get the raise, and we're empty. If I could just get her to love me, if I could just get him to like me and us to go out on a date, then, oh my gosh, then that would be the pinnacle. It would be the top, and I would be so filled up inside. And it happens, and we're emptier. If I could just get ahead in my job, if I could just make friends and just have lasting relationships, that would be the end all. For me, and that happens, and it's not the end all. It leaves us emptier and thirstier and hungrier. If I could just have that child, if I could just, if I could just have that child come back to me, then that would be enough. And we get it. It's not enough. It's not enough. 
Some of you, you've been praying for Mr. Right, and you finally get Mr. Right, and five years later you realize he's not Mr. Perfect. What do you do? Well, Jesus says in that verse, Dads, if your child asks for a fish, are you really going to hand them a snake? If he asks for an egg, are you going to give him a scorpion? No. Look at how Jesus finishes his teaching on prayer. Look at these words of affirmation. It's going to make you feel real good. So if you sinful people, how many of y'all feel better now? Right? So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, don't miss this, because you're not going to understand anything about the Lord's Prayer or anything that we talked about unless you understand this verse. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, which we do, how much more will your Heavenly Father give you exactly what you want, right? I mean, that's what we expected to say. How much more will your Heavenly Father give you the right answer to your prayer? But that's not how this verse ends. It doesn't say that. This is what it says. How much more will your Heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. And you're like, what? I'm not asking for the Holy Spirit. I'm asking for a job. I'm asking for a raise. I'm asking to pay the bills. I'm asking to get my marriage back on the right track. I'm asking, I'm asking for the pregnancy test to be positive. I'm asking for these things, and you're saying you're going to give me the Holy Spirit? I mean, is there anybody else besides me just feel like that might be like a consolation prize? Well, he didn't get the vacation, but what did he get? He got the Holy Spirit. And not just to say this, the Holy Spirit isn't a consolation prize. The Holy Spirit is the grand prize. Because, and this is our big idea today, prayer is not about getting the right answer. It's about talking to the right person. You see, some of you, the reason why you're not hearing from God is that you're looking for the right answer rather than the right person. And prayer is not about getting the right answer as it is about talking to the right person. Sometimes I think we know what's good. You know, and and, and I'm like that. You know, I get so emotionally attached to that thing. I get so emotionally attached saying, okay, that's, that may be where God wants one church long-term, and oh, that's great. Or for you, it may be, this is what God, where God wants my marriage to go, and if I get the promotion, then I can go to Fort Huachuca, and then bam, it is like, whoa, awesome, whatever it is. And we think we know what's good, but I think and this is where my frustration comes with with God and my lack of trust in him and faith in him sometimes, is that he doesn't give me what's good because he wants to give me what's best. And really what I'm praying for is a snake or a scorpion, and he wants to give me so much more. You see, that person that you prayed for, if if they would have said yes and you would have gotten married, God knows that there would have been a lifetime of heartbreak. I mean, again... Garth Brooks song. That's all I got a reference, right? Unanswered prayers. All right? I believe God answers all prayers. But sometimes I'm glad he doesn't say yes. Because it's many times when we say, when we want him to say yes and give us the right answer, he gives us the right answer and we still don't hear from God. 
And what he's saying in this is that prayer is not a button to be pushed. It's a relationship to be pursued. The goal of my praying isn't trying to find the right answer. It's to try to, be, to continue this relationship with the right person. I'm going to end with this story. Customer service. How many of y'all have ever, you, you got something and you, it wasn't the way, it, or maybe it broke or it wasn't what it was all made up to be and you had to call customer service? Anybody ever had to call customer service? All right? Man, shoot me. Shoot me. And I know when I call, and, you know, I'm the 15th person in line, you know, and I pick up the phone, hello, my name is Habib, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Please, please. All right, and I'm trying to give them words, and, and you know, and I'm trying to, and he's like, I don't understand what you're saying. And I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying. And I'm like, please, give me the right person, Right? Give me the right person. That wasn't politically correct. I apologize. I'm going to have to ask forgiveness for that. I'm, please forgive me. I was not meant to be. Anyway, but I, I, all of this, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I, you just want to find the right person who has the authority to make the decision, to make the right decision, to make it right. I think that's what we're talking about. I'll give you an example. My wife and I, when we, uh, uh, we were engaged to get married, we got married 20 years ago, and we got these rings. And one of our favorite verses in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, that a, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So we bought these rings. Here's a picture of them. And uh, these rings were made, like, made of gold rope. And I had a single rope band, and my wife had a, a double rope band. So there's the three, you know, rope, all that stuff. So we love these rings. Well, a year into our marriage... Kim's two ropes split in half, right, this gold ring. And, of course, we had already had a rough year of marriage. I'm just going to be honest with you. So, like, we're both uh, in the floor crying going, is God trying to tell us something? Are we going to last, you know, and are we splitting, you know, and all the stuff. So we end up buying them here at a jewelry store in Clarksville. And I don't even remember where. I wish I could because this turns out good. Ended up going to the jewelry store back in Clarksville a year later, and I said, Hey, we bought these wedding rings from you guys, and they're busted. It's split in half. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm bracing myself, you know, thinking for the worst, you know. And, and she says, okay, let's see what we can do. So he looks up, and the people that they bought them from, the company went out of business. And I'm going, oh, this is going to go great, right? And then the person came out of the back, the right person, who had authority. And he said, you know what? Uh, I'm sorry about this. Um, look at any of the rings in our store and any of them in our catalog and even if they're better rings and more expensive rings you get them and you don't owe us anything and I'm going bam right that's awesome that's awesome so we came out with the fashizzle rings right I'm like hello now here's the thing I, I went into that store, I wasn't trying to, to get better rings. I just wanted to get that one fixed. But you know what? I, I wanted the right answer. I got better than the right answer. I got the right person who had the authority to make things even better than what I wanted them to be. And let me tell you, some of you, you're wanting him, all right? And God's not giving you him because he is a dud. Let's just be honest. Right? And, and you're going, God, let me say yes, let me say and, and God's going, he ain't all that. Right? He's a scorpion. He's a snake. 
Or I want to be accepted to that school. And, 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 and you don't get the answer you want. It's not about finding the right answer. Prayer is about finding the right person who has the authority that even when you don't get what you want. And I'm going to be honest with you. There are times, there are t- there are times I pray and I feel like, man, I'm crying out to God and I, I feel like my motives are pure and, and, I, and I want, I, I so want that. And God doesn't deliver. What do I do during those times? What do you do? The answer, when you found the right person, in fact, the, another word that used for the Holy Spirit is the comforter. Even when you don't get what you want, he will be there. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will comfort you. When you weep, he's going to weep. And when you cry, he's going to cry. And even when you try to pray and you don't even have the words to pray, Romans says he is going to intercede for you with groanings too that no one can even understand. That's what finding the right person does. So let's just don't settle on getting our right answer. Because sometimes your right answer ain't that right. It's not that great. It's finding the right person. Got a couple of questions, and then we'll be done. Um, uh, Chris, are you using Bob Belts's book, Becoming a Man of Prayer? My prayer life is horrible, and this book has been by my bedside, and I have carried it all over the country for the past year. I've made it uh, every excuse not to read it, but I need to read it. I'm not, but thank you so much for that resource. I will definitely look at that. So... A uh, couple of things that I'm uh, reading, uh, uh, Bill Hobble's Too Busy Not to Pray. That's a really good book. I'm reading that right now. And, um, oh, and uh, The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson. I've read that like six times. Great book on prayer. I would encourage you to read it. Thank you so much. Um, one person texted this. You are asking God for a rocking chair, but God has a lazy boy with a refrigerated cup holders in store for you. I don't know if that's theologically correct. But uh, it sounds comfortable. Let, let me just say this. I, I, I think this person was joking. Do you know, nowhere in the Bible, God never calls you to comfort? So many of us, our God is the God of comfort. And again, Dave Thompson texted this in, so he's joking, I know. I don't want you to think I'm railing against him, I'm not. But I do want to say this. Some people think, you know what, I just, I'm uncomfortable, so I don't feel like God, that's not where God's leading me. Eh. If you're uncomfortable, that's probably where God is leading you. Name me one person in the Bible that God ever called comfortable. Not in there. It's not in there. All right? So, and by the way, Dave Thompson just texted me, jerk. All right. (laughs) Geek. All right, sweet. All right, let's go to another one. All right. Uh, What if you ask God to stop something that truly was horrible and he didn't? Why is that? That's a great question. Um, Let me say this. Um, I I don't have the answer for you. Um, I can tell you this, that a lot of times, I I do have the answer for you. Let me say this. It says this, that God is the the God of lights, and in him there is no shifting shadows. Um, That's in James. There's also a, a verse that says that God will never give us evil things. We just saw that verse. God's not gonna give us scorpions and snakes. Um, there may have been something bad happening to you and it didn't stop and we have a tendency to blame that on God, but we also have to realize that there are some other parties happening that because of sin has entered the world, it's just jacked up. 
And I have a tendency, I've done this, you know, with what I shared with you 10 years ago. I blamed God for it when it had nothing to do with God. It had to do with a bunch of other jacked up people. So um, some of us, we say, okay, let's just take God out of the picture. That doesn't fix it because you're still hurting and it's still bad things are happening. The reason why bad things happen isn't because God is not good. God is good. The reason why bad things happen is because we are jacked up, bad, evil people. That's what the Bible calls you and me. So, hope that's uh, helpful. Thank you. Very good question. Very, very, very good question. All right, let me give you, uh, give you a couple more. Um, how do you know what God's will is in the midst of trial and hard times? <laughs> that's a really good question, too. Man, these are really good questions. I'm going to read it one more time. How do you know what God's will is in the midst of trial and hard times? All right, I'm going to tell you the reason, um, how you can do that. Uh, Romans chapter 12 uh, verses 1 and 2. Um, let me turn to it real quick on you version. Uh, Romans 12 says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Live, uh, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is the truly way we worship him. All right? So he's saying, die to yourself. Die to yourself and, um, <laughs> how you doing? Die to yourself and, and follow God in this. Verse 2 says this. Uh, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That happens by God's word and prayer. Now, listen to this. Then you will know, learn to know what God's will for you is. That's your question. How do you know what God's will for you is? And listen to how he describes God's will. It is good. It is pleasing and it is perfect. So, how do you know what God's will is? Well, there's a, there's, a, um, there's a cause and effect here. That if we offer ourselves to God, um, and we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, when we don't copy the behaviors and the custom of this world, but we are transformed by God's word, then you will learn to know what God's will is. And the characteristics of God's will, it's good. It's not evil. If you think God's will is, you know what, I'm going to move in with him, it, that, that, that's evil. That's not God's will. It's good. It's pleasing. Um, that means uh, it is going to be truly satisfying to you. It's going to satisfy your innermost being, and it is perfect. That means it can't be stopped. I like that. That's really good. Do you have any other? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number two. Um, you know, my wife and I work with, I've worked with students for years, and we currently lead a small group for young singles. And this is a question that, like, this is the question. You know, if you're 15 to 25, what is God's will for my life? And, like, that is your constant thing you want to know. And, and what we want is we want a text message from God, or we want a billboard driving down the road that says, be here on this day doing this thing. And, and God's not going to give you that. God's will for your life is to not do anything that is contrary to his word, are contrary to his character. And, and, and Chris said this, you know, the, if you're asking God the question, should I move in with him or her? Is, is that contrary to God's character or his word? Moving in with a person is contrary to his word. Now you may do it anyway and God may bless you in spite of you, but that's not God's will for your life. God's will for your life is you do things in the right order, in the right way. And so we, we overcomplicate that and we want the text message or the billboard from God but if you read God's word, you'll learn God's character. Mm. If you pray, you'll hear God's voice. And once you know his character, you'll know what pleases him. And, mm. and you know, that verse, 
what's pleasing to God, I think, mm-hmm. is perfect for that. And, and that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. So many. Here's the thing. I think all of us, and then I, I don't have any more questions, so I'll, I'll think I'll be done. Many of us, we want God to show us what's down the road, right? All of us want to know, okay, where do I need to go? What do I need to apply for? Who do I need to marry? We want all of the details in front of us, right? All of us do that. I want that, all right? We want to follow God's unknown will, but yet he's given us what he wants to to do now, and we don't follow it. You hear what I'm saying? I.e., God tells you, okay, don't... Don't marry a non-Christian. It, it's in the Bible. It says that in there. And we go, but I think he's hot. Right? And I, I know God wants me to be happy. That's, it, it's in the Bible, right? No, it's not. That's not in the Bible. Here's what, the if, thing. what if he's got red pants? <laughs> Most of the stuff, it, it would come clear if we just read God's word. Let's just be honest, Right? But God wants him to be happy, and he looks so great, and he's not a Christian. I'm going to make him a Christian. And then five years down the road after you said, I do, and you did, and it's done, and you're like, man, my my heart's broken. And then we were looking for the next thing. God showed me the unknown, and God said, no, I want you to follow the known. It's like one of my kids come up and ask me for a quarter, and I give him a quarter. Okay, great. And then 30 minutes later, he comes back, Dad, can I have a dollar? I'm like, what happened to the quarter I gave you? I lost it. Do you think I'm going to give him a quarter? No. Why? Because he wasn't, he, did, he, he, didn't, ha- he didn't handle well the quarter I gave him. See, some of us, we're asking God for dollars when he's given us quarters, and we, and we haven't done anything with them yet. I mean, let's just be honest. God's saying, listen, I've given you, you're asking for the bigger paycheck, but you're not tithing on what I'm giving you now. Let's just get crazy real here, all right? And we're like, you know what, but, you know. And and God said, no, I'm not going to trust you with more if you've not been faithful with what you got now. And that happens in every area of our life. God is not going to show us, he's not going to show us more than our obedience is right now. So, anyway, i got to get off stage or I'm going to be preaching. So anyway. oh, i got like a whole other sermon I on know. that. I know, it's so good. All right, l- l- let's, let's do it. Ready? Uh, turn your Bible. No, I'm joking. 